good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pod Save Africa. I have a wonderful guest called Chizzy and Wagogo. We're going to be talking about a bunch of interesting things and um, I look forward to it. Um, let me start by asking Chizzy to introduce himself. My name is Chizzy Wagogo. I'm an accountant for a procurement firm in Nigeria currently. Yeah. Um, we procure equipment for um, industries like oil industries or manufacturing industries. Um, yeah, so I currently moved back to Nigeria last year. Okay. It's been a uh, Quite an experience. All right. All right. Now, what were the circumstances around you moving back to Nigeria? Um, the circumstances were quite... Uh, I mean, it's something every international student would face. For yeah. instance, um, I mean, I, I waited for my uh, OPT to come in. Okay. And then I, the, thing about, the thing about the financing industry, I realized late, the financing industry I realized late, which was by fault, I should have done research on that, was that it's a bit uh, nepotistic, like you have to know people, sort of know someone who knows someone, Right. it's more nepotistic than any other industry, right. um, so like you'd have to like, oh yeah, I went to this school with this person, who will link you up with that person and everything, uh. and then the issue of, uh, the issue of, you know, being a non-citizen came up. Yeah. And that was where I feel most of the time. Yeah, it's harder. Considering that, uh, the finance, yeah, 2016 also was a bad financial year, so most companies weren't really looking for to spend more money on hiring an international. I see. So, uh, eventually I decided, you know, it's best to, you know, go back home. Yeah. Um, my, my first question would be, um, you know, you've, you've lived back home for... A little under a year, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, November last year, so I'm still doing. Okay. Eight months, seven months. Seven months. Okay, not bad, not bad. So, so I feel like you have a better, um, a very good understanding of kind of how people, a lot of people feel, other than you, yourself included. Um, so, so my first question is kind of, it's kind of blankety, but um, you know. How do people feel regarding kind of conditions for living like back back in Nigeria? Do you, you know, do people feel very hopeful about the country? Are people, you know, working on new ideas or, you know, or, are, or is everybody just, you know, tired of, tired of the government and just, you know, waiting to let life roll along? Um, the, the, that's, that's a one, the thing about, okay, so I'll start with the last one, where if people are waiting around for the government or anything. Okay. Um, that's one. That's one thing I I sort of like noticed while I was in Nigeria. Nobody is waiting for the government. Hmm. You know, everybody is trying to find a way. Like, okay, how can I work around the government, or how can I work with the government, or how can I integrate my services in a way that the government to you know to to sort of like reduce the government's influence on my business. Hmm. I see. So you have so you have companies who are trying to. Okay, if for for instance, um, there's a ship. There recently, uh, there's a recent ship building company in Nigeria. Okay. Um, they they started off as ship merchants, where they you know they lease ships out and all hmm. that thing. And um, the issue came up where they had they had issues with they had running issues with customs. Okay. They were like oh, these ships these ships are international ships that you're leasing out, so you have to pay so some some custom duties and everything. Right. And so they called in Samsung from. Uh, uh, from Asia, right, and they 
Samsung is like, you know what? We'll give you a certain amount of loan to start building ships in Nigeria. Oh, wow. And so they start building ships in Nigeria to push out that custom regulation of, oh. you know. Oh. Hey, you know, so like it's, and then with that, it's a huge revenue because they're the first ship uh, indigenous uh, shipbuilding ship company. company. Oh, that's yes. very interesting. So people are essentially, yeah, so people are essentially, you know, finding success in spite of the government. So the government is part of the business hurdles you have to get past. Yes, oh, it's just... a lot, it's, the government puts a lot of hurdles on business. They're huh. still behind. Okay. You know, they are not, it's, the government, I feel, on my position, I feel like the government is, uh, is, is, they are disconnected with how businesses are meant to run in Nigeria. Okay. Or how businesses are run nowadays, you know, like the government is meant to help businesses and regulate hmm. businesses. But in certain cases, they are, they, they, they are more of a hindrance in, some, in certain cases. I see. You know? I see. And, and, and uh, is, is there, are there any support systems for businesses? Um, yeah, well, they are, so technically how it goes, like, like uh, the company I work for is a support system for hmm. businesses. Okay. And so, um, like I said, there's, the government doesn't provide a certain support system. Right. So businesses come up to fill that role. I so, see. So, um, people, so people see, so nowadays what people are doing is like they see an opportunity, they are thinking, how can I create a business out of this? Because like. The time right now, Nigeria, what's on ground is everyone is trying to, like, that's one thing. In a way, the recession was bittersweet in that sense. Okay. You know, where people were like, okay, there's no money in the economy. And so people are forced, those who have the means and the privilege and the opportunity, they are getting, they are forced to, um, you know, think outside the box. Like, hmm. okay. That's, this is a problem. Let me fix it and make money off fixing it. Okay, that's that's very interesting. Now talking about so. talking about the privilege, um, a good question to be asked is, you know, there there I would imagine be some kind of gap between um, those who are able to you know have the resources to study in, in uh, great institutions or good institutions either outside the outside the country or even the, some of, some of the ones that are inside the country, but those people clearly have an income benefit like their parents are definitely richer they have more access to financing for right. uh yes. things like that you know so what's the <clears throat> what is the difference like you know are there social issues are there is there sometimes friction between those who've studied abroad and those who are you know who are, who are homegrown you know what, what does that dynamic look like oh there is there are certain microaggressions i mean okay. uh because like uh, I, I an instance I faced was um, I went for an interview for uh, another company that's before before I found this company to work for. Okay. I went for an interview for another company, and um, during the interview, he goes through my he goes through my resume, and then he's like, "Where'd you go for secondary school?" And I told him, "He's like, where'd you go for primary school?" I was like, "You know, Corona school, blah blah." And then he's like, his response after that was. So you've never had to work for anything in your life. Oh. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, I I mean, I'm like, yeah, I told him, yes, like, I, obviously, I was privileged enough not to, you know, to be provided the basic necessities by my parents. Right. But that doesn't mean I haven't had to fight for certain successes. Right. You know, so, um, I mean, eventually, he, eventually, I got the job offer, but then, 
that initial interview stage put me off because then it showed me an insight if an interviewer can do that I think like that yeah there's there's nothing stopping you know, like the subordinates to you know act in the same way wow. so um yeah, so there are certainly several microaggressions. There are people, you know, you go to. It's not. It, it's not on a major scale where, like, you know, where it becomes uh, where like there are riots or whatever. <laughs> yeah. In the workspace, it's in the workspace. Right. Uh, you know, you go to a bar and they'll be like, "Oh, this person is an Ajebota." Right. You, know, you like I was in NYC camp. And, okay. Like, when people fall out of school abroad, it just changed the whole reaction towards me. They're like, ah, you know, Boti, Yajabota. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, eventually I own the identity. I'm like, yes. You are who you Ajibota. are. Right. Yeah, I'm who I am. I can't exactly change my upbringing. Okay. You know? But yeah, it does, it does change. I mean, even my friend that schools in law school, he goes to Nigerian law school. Yeah, he schooled abroad. Right. And like, um, there's a he gets to he get, he says that like on his first day in law school, when they you know they separate those who school abroad from from those who school in Nigeria. Oh wow! And that already puts that already puts a divide. Yeah. With them in law school, so okay. there was a disconnect between him and his peers, and like I mean, eventually you sort of have to uh, you as a person too, you tend to fall into your comfort zone. Yeah. So you'd hang out with people who sort of studied abroad as well within the same social upbringing as you you were so right. yeah, that further creates another divide but it's, it's all slightly social microaggressions it's not really on a major scale but it definitely shows that there's a a slight not not nothing major per se but a slight you know hmm. divide between the two social groups okay and and do you do you think that you know the social group where you you are in and you know if i somebody like i moved back i i would be in as well um, do you think we sometimes tend to look down on some of the people who are homegrown, you know, because we've had certain privileges, we assume that the other people uh, may not necessarily be as exposed or knowledgeable to, you know, the things we're, we're talking about? Um, I mean, here's the issue. The thing is, uh, society sort of forms the way people think. So, okay. obviously, you studying abroad and then someone who's had their formative years in Nigeria would definitely not think the same. Yes. Um, so, like, uh, there are certain issues I, te- I tend to argue with people. I mean, I, went, I was in a bar and I got into a friendly argument with someone over, you know, the whole gender equality okay. and everything. So, like, it's... It's um definitely like the way you're the way you're going to think. I mean, you looking down on someone who thinks differently from you is I feel like it's a personal. It differs from person to person. Right, right. Yeah. But you thinking differently, you definitely think differently because you fall into a different social group. Right. Gone abroad, you your the society you've been exposed to is different. Right. From what they've been exposed to. Okay. So so now speaking on you mentioned um you mentioned gender inequality. I'm just gonna pick up on that as a segue into my next question, and that's um you know a big issue or one of the big things that's happening back home or just kind of all over the world is this uh, push for like, a gender equality, an understanding of um, women's rights, equality as a social uh, cultural movement is becoming very important, which is, which is great in my opinion. Um, but how, you know, in, in, in a place like, you know, Nigeria where you are, where not everybody necessarily has those forward thinking views, how does that 
play out? You know, like you said, for 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 example, that argument, how'd that play out? How what what do people think? Were they, you know, aggressively opposed? Or, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, uh, you would, the thing is, one would have to navigate those waters with tact. Okay. You know. Because they are very, very touchy topics, especially in... I mean, Nigeria, in, a, in that sense, is a bit radicalized. Okay. Everyone you'd meet... Well, not, maybe not everyone, but majority of the people you meet would tell you, would think in the line that men are superior to women. Majority right. of people you meet would think in that line. And hmm. so you'd have to navigate such waters with, uh, with, with a certain bit of tact. Okay. You know, like... Um, like the, then there's the issue of uh, like for instance, um, the issue of uh, homosexuality came up one day in my office. Okay. And then you know they approached you because it was one of those things you see it in the news. You be like, oh, this like uh, for instance, like Bobrisky or right. uh, Derelict. You know, then one of those people came up in the office, and um, obviously outright, I'd say like you know yeah like you know homosexuals have every other right as we do. Right. But um. I can't exactly say such in an office space where I just newly, I just recently joined. Right. And, um, you know, so the, I navigated it through like saying, okay, like, you know, um, that Nigerian law is divided into two kinds of law, civil law and criminal law. Right. And then civil law governs disagreement between people Mm -hmm. while criminal law is disagreements between the state and mm. an individual, right? A criminal law usually uh, usually leads to imprisonment, fines, whatever it is. While civil law, you settle, you know, yes. you settle your somebody results. pays somebody else. Yeah. So I was like that. Um, being a homosexual in that way doesn't infringe on uh, people's rights. That's where the state would come in. You know, it's because a criminal offense where you're infringing on someone's rights. Right. Um. And like I was like, being a homosexual, having sex is an agreement between two consenting adults. Right. And as such, it should be treated as a civil matter hmm. and not as a criminal offense. I see. And I see no reason why they should be. Huh. Um, they should face a, a penalty of imprisonment, which is common the current to criminal law. law. Yeah, which is a current and, law. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> so it gets people thinking in that line. And then okay. I was like, plus, like. And then I put it up to them, like, when you have sex with your wife, you don't exactly see us complaining or you don't exactly see it in the news. Right. So, like, uh, being a homosexual is, you know, should be their private life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, put in that sense, because I was like, it's none of, it doesn't put food on my table. It doesn't right. <laughs> put water in my jar. So, why should I be concerned about, right. you know, someone else's lifestyle? Right. And, you know, that got them thinking in that line. Obviously, I don't expect to change their views overnight. Yeah. But then, uh, if it gets them thinking, I think I've done my job for the day. All right. That's that's that's, that's yeah. actually a very smart way to so, approach the argument. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't, you can't exactly approach uh, a hostile, because the way you, you have to, one would have to gauge the reactions of people here. And, right navigate that with tax because you live here now <laughs> you're going to be here for a while yeah so you know navigate the waters politically right and, you know huh. so you know, so is there a battle is there kind of a constant kind of a little bit of struggle that people like you would have to navigate between um what what other people would look at as western ideals 
and what what's acceptable in, in Western culture and what, you know, is essentially part of, you know, Nigerian culture, wherever you're from, Yoruba, Igbo, or Hausa, um, or everything in between, you know, is that, is there like a struggle, you know, do people sometimes come to you and say, you know, ah, that's not what we do, or that's just not how we do it, is that, because that's, that can be a very difficult argument to counter, because they just, you know, they're just like, that's not what we do, and, you know, how do, how do you argue yeah. against that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a constant everyday navigation, because, hmm. like, you have to be vigilant. You're, you know, it may slip out once and, you know, people look at you weird or something. I mean, not that you exactly care what people think sometimes, but then when it comes to where their opinions actually have weight on your life, like hmm. if someone is your, your opinion of your boss, opinion of your parents, right. opinion of, you know, relatives and family, you know, you have to, you know, sort of be on your toes and watch, think, think very well before you speak. How would you you know, put certain topics towards them, put certain views towards them. So in a way, it's sort of a constant navigation. Hmm. You can't exactly outright, you know, fight, fight them. Yeah. Or lead a battle, you know, lead an argumentative battle because then right. when it's a social thinking, when it's permitted in every fiber of thinking around you, 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 can't, you have to sort of pick your battles wisely. Right, right. You can't go and fight everybody that that you know doesn't necessarily see your side of the argument. Um, so, so another question then around that is talking about relatives and kind of the people who have come before us. Um, you know, what will happen over the next decade or so is that, or at least what I hope will happen is that you know our generation of people will start, um, you know, being a big part of politics involvement. And I just wanted to ask, what does that look like? Are there people that are involved in political parties? Are there people that have platforms that they push? Um, or are people just kind of, you know, hey, government, as long as you don't mess with my money, we're good? Um, yeah, um, that's, that's actually on the front. Uh, there are people who are actually pushing on the political front through social media. There's um, hmm. Aldo Makuri. Okay. Uh, he's... He's in his early 30s. You have people who are in their early 30s running for local government chairman because there's an age restriction on yeah. positions in Nigeria. Yeah. And um, recently there was a bill that has passed the reading on the House of Representatives, which is, is what is tagged, is nicknamed the uh, Not Too Young to Run bill. So okay. its aims are reducing the age restrictions on these positions. Oh. So as to enable. You know, it's being pushed forward by the youth, and um, certain. Uh, about, I mean, there are few forward-thinking leaders okay. who believe that um, the youth should be allowed into political positions, and so you have you have some progress on that front. Um, I mean, as at last year or last two years ago, there was also um, a gender equality, sorry, a widow bill where the widows. Um, where it aims to remove discrimination by for widows. It was pushed right. by, uh, I mean, it was pushed by an older Senate lady, but okay. behind her, you had young women who were pushing this bill with her. I mean, it didn't, it, it failed at the Senate reading, uh, but then that showed progress that at least like young people like that being were considered, getting involved, yeah. hmm. you know, were getting involved through these channels to push politics, to get into politics. Because, I mean, it's time that we actually... Get take involved. charge. Yeah. Yeah. Take charge of what's going on in the country. You okay. Know, okay. At this point, people are getting fed up. 
Yeah. So so now I'm going to reel back from all the external stuff and, and ask you one or two personal questions to close out. Um, and, and these are kind of general, but, you know, these questions often bring out interesting stories. So um, first of all, what makes your life the most difficult? Um, what is the thing that just, you know, drags at you all the time? What's the thing that just <laughs> bothers you about your, your experience so far? There's actually a lot of things. Yes, I feel what uh, what bothers me, what what makes my life the most difficult, I'd say, is myself. Okay, wow. Because um, I sort of, for me as a person, I'm thinking that I'm not moving as fast as I should. Okay. I'm not progressing with certain goals I set for myself. I'm not progressing as much. Okay. as fast as I want to be and so like that's that's for me that's it I mean it's not it's it's uh, it's like you said it's a personal thing so that's like huh. I wake up every morning I'm thinking I'm trying to set go through certain things and I don't achieve certain goals by the end of the month things like that right and um you know so I, I mean I'm my big I, I personally am my biggest critic and so okay. like when hmm. I don't do that you know I criticize myself and I kick myself every time. But, okay. um, you know, it's uh, because I feel like at this point, I feel like I've been given a lot of, um, I've been privileged. I've been given a lot of tools. I have a safety net in my parents. Okay. Um, I have a good support system. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I should be progressing faster than, you know, faster sure. than what I'm doing because sure. I have certain tools around me and I may not be utilizing them to their maximum efficiency yeah that, that might actually so, often be the uh the the paradox of privilege you, you almost never feel like you're doing enough um yes, yes. yeah so so another question the other side to that question is what are the best parts of your life what are those things that just make life easier what are those things that you know just make life um good yeah uh, um definitely my support system hmm. um I was like my sister has been here for about two years. Okay. So she had the experience. She's gotten the, that experience out of the you know the transitional experience out of the way, and okay. um, so I you know occasionally she comes by, she checks up on me. You know, sometimes gives me financial help when it's when I don't want to go to my parents. Okay. And my parents as well. Um, they're providing guidance as well because this is a whole new, different ball game. You know, because, like, the first thing that, like, and for instance, was uh, the first, the moment I came back home, my dad is like, okay, you know what, Nigeria is, uh, Nigerian uh, employment market is centered around certificates. I see. So, go get your ACCA, even though we can't do, because you can't do CFA in Nigeria, so he's like, go get your ACCA, at least have that with you. Right. And then proceed to the ICANN. I see. Get that with you, and then, you know. The ICANN lets you become a chartered accountant, right? Yeah, it becomes a chartered accountant. But, like, if you want to work in the financial or accounting sector, ICANN is, like, the only credibility you'd you'd have. So, you know, my dad was like, yeah, Nigeria, you would not get get a position that you deserve if you do not have an ICANN certificate. And then uh, he's like, as well, do your NYSC, get that Mm -hmm. out of the way while you're doing the ACCA, you know. Just use the first year to get the certificates through, 
don't worry about you know job markets don't worry about all these things just okay. if you find a job good but use this whole first year period get those certificates out of the way right and hmm. then you know move forward okay so so that my, kind of support system you know, that's 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 great to hear um so that's part of it so my my final question is a little bit of a heavy one, but um, my final question is, you know, we all, you know, a lot of people here and a lot of people that move back home early on have fantastical ideas of how they want to bring change and bring value. Um, and, you know, because of your specific background, I think this would be appropriate to you specifically. But, um, you know, how easy it is to, how easy is it to find um, money, to fund ideas like that you know if i wanted to start a business is it easy to get loans from a bank is it you know like how do we where do we get the money to build the futures the future nigeria or the future african nations that we want to build uh, um first um as as a as a budding financial analyst i'll advise anyone who wants to do business back home don't get a loan from the bank oh Okay. Don't get any loan from the bank, no matter what. Don't get a loan from the bank because, um, like at this point, um, okay, is it, that that stems from the government? The first, okay. From the first system, right. um, the recession is at uh, the the Nigerian inflation is at nineteen percent, nineteen percent. Right. And um. Anyone who's ever dealt with you know time value of money would know that if you're loaning money out, you have to loan it at a rate higher, higher than, than inflation rate. Right. So you're going to if you're going to a bank to get twenty four percent is a blessing Jeez. on a loan. Jeez. What? So um, wait. So that means you pay back <laughs> exactly. double the amount you've loaned in about four years. Pretty much yes. Wow. So you so don't <clears throat> don't loan from the bank. It would sink you. Uh, however there have been certain because of that gap you know okay. that's the problem there's that there's that gap um businesses came up to fill that position so you have uh, a certain peer-to-peer lending firm called uh fits nigeria okay um they are trying to put put that in place where um, someone who's got a lot of liquid capital would is willing to invest in a business could you know Use. put the money on the platform huh. and then you know a certain business being vetted after being vetted by Fins would be able to access those loans. Okay. Um, you have microfinance banks springing up um, over the place, and um, you have the Tony Elumelu Foundation. Okay. Uh, anyone who knows Tony Elumelu is. Uh, a billionaire, a billionaire, Nigerian billionaire entrepreneur who okay. uh, founded the UBA Bank. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, he's right. using his personal funds to start the Tony Elumelu Foundation, okay. which uh, gives out loans. He acts as an angel investor and an incubator at the same time. Okay. For young entrepreneurs, you could enroll, apply, enroll in the program. Um, get loans, and then this—it's not exactly a loan. You come in as, a, as an investor in your firm, right? So you don't have to worry about payback. You sort of just have to worry about reporting uh, to his foundation. Okay. That you know, and like uh, such platforms offer—I mean, it's—it's it's still there's still uh, a lot of uh, businesses to serve. Okay. Because I mean, there are just very few of them that that are serving that market. So if right. anyone is really coming in, 
I'll say you should try and start in that uh, space because okay. there's the recession is a good time to start such because then everyone is in need of cash. Right. And so you coming in with that uh, with that capital sort mm-hmm. of like makes you you know you supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, Your know, basic income. Yeah. So um, starting as an invest, starting a business back home, I would say try and find private funds. Mm. Uh, Go to the private markets. They are more, uh, they are more liable to help you. They're more, they're more likely to help you. Right. The banks, not so much. Oh wow. At all, not so okay. much. Not so much. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Cheesy. Um, we've had a fantastic conversation. Um, hope to have you again as a friend of the podcast. Um, oh, definitely. And you've, yeah. Thank you so much uh, once again. This is. Can you pronounce your name one time for our our listeners? Uh, all right and it's your host again i can't be idea really um if you'd like to reach out to me um i just realized i've never put this up reach out to me at podsaveafrica at gmail.com um i'd be responding to emails and all of that and uh, i hope you enjoyed the podcast have a wonderful day